you are completely responsible for your addiction and your acting out. Mm -hmm. So until you take responsibility for that, there's really an inability to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, what we're able to introduce is you are responsible for your addiction and each of you make contributions to the coupleship and if you want your wife to begin to look possibly at her mm -hmm. contribution to the coupleship, it's important that you're really owning the addiction and the acting out in what you brought to the coupleship. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We are happy to be with you again today with our host, Dr. Greg Miller. And once again, our, our co-founder, our director of Faithful and True, Debbie Laser. Uh, it's great to have you back with us, Debbie. It's always a great podcast when we get uh, you to share your knowledge, wisdom, and experience with us. And today, we've been doing a series of podcasts uh, based on questions. And uh, we've had a question come up uh, at the couple's workshop. Correct. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This actually was a question that one of the wives had at our last couple's workshop. And basically, it was the question of, what is the difference between the early work that a couple may do when there's been betrayal versus at what point does it transition from managing the betrayal and the consequences and the reality of that to actually starting to work on the relationship or working on the marriage? And I would say that what's true is for a lot of women they're resistant to maybe what would be called couples counseling at first because they're so devastated or they're in so much chaos because of the information. They're not ready to work on the coupleship yet, and yet there's some support and help that could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. So let's start with, as a couple comes in the door, there's just been information, <laughs> there's just been betrayal. What does it look like for us to begin to work with them, and what are some of the things that we want to address with them? Mm -hmm. We might also, is it okay to talk about some of the things we've heard that are, have not been helpful? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because I think all of that has led us to why we do things the way mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. um, well, and it also helps to explain why there are some people that may be resistant when they hear the yeah. invitation to come <clears throat> to a couple session. Mm -hmm. And that would be a lot of my experience in listening to stories from wives that I work with is, um, sometimes their couple's work or marriage work has been about um, this idea that it, it's 50-50 in a relationship. You know, everything you're struggling with in there, you, you each have a responsible piece for that. And so I think it can happen that wives who have been betrayed are too easily talked to as if there's a part of that that's their problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And for those that aren't trained in this field, they can even go so far as talking about they need to be more sexual with their spouse, that's why they're struggling, or they need to be more of something or other, or they need to work on how they express anger because that's making him angry and then he's acting out, or whatever it is. I, I think whenever early marriage work starts looking like blaming her at all for the addiction, it's a problem Absolutely. for wives. And we do hear that a lot. We're either mm -hmm. directly or indirectly, the wife is given some sort of information that she is responsible for her husband's choices. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that is part of the messaging, it makes perfect sense that the wife is having a reaction to that because intuitively she knows it's not true but it may also be reinforcing some unhealthy patterns of over-responsibility. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the first messages 
is simply for the wife to be validated that you didn't cause this, you can't cure it, you can't control it. This is not your responsibility. And that's one of the messages at the, the men's workshop that we want to give that your wife is not responsible for your addiction. No matter what she has done, you have still chosen to do this and you can't change something if you're not taking responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense if a wife stepped into a couple session and in some way there was some information or energy of being blamed that she would have a reaction to that. Mm -hmm. I've also found that some women are reluctant to early couples work because their husbands really don't want to be there. And they may be still in some, you know, place of denial or minimization. And so really she is looking like she has a problem, but he doesn't have a problem. And that becomes a problem when they come in for counseling. And so it's understandable that she may not be willing to do that and talk for him or whatever um, in terms of getting some help. And that's understandable as well. Right. I'd also say that there are those situations where a wife may be reluctant to go to couples counseling because she has no confidence that she wants to stay in the marriage or even staying in the marriage is an option or the best thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you show up at couples counseling and you're basically given just information about how to work on the marriage, there's going to be a resistance to that if you're not sure you want to stay in the marriage. So one of the things that we try to clearly communicate here is this isn't about a decision to stay in the marriage. This is more negotiating or navigating the chaos that's going on and maybe in time getting more information so that you can make that decision. But when we start working with couples, it's not with the assumption that they're going to stay married. It's simply to be able to validate and give them resources to move forward, whatever that may look like. Mm -hmm. So I think it's true when we first meet with a couple, if they do like the idea of coming in together, Um, We generally want to just get to know them a little bit and some of that background, of course, and also to know um, what the story is that brought them in. Mm -hmm. Now, ideally, we want him to share that story because we work with men who are struggling with sexual acting out. Um, We'd like for him to tell the story and then for her to add anything that's of importance to her uh, in addition to whatever he's been saying. Right. And, you know, the beauty of them coming in together at some point is so that the whole story is heard by the counselor. Because if he comes in alone, he may just say parts of it. And if she comes in, she may have her own perceptions of things, which may not include the whole truth at that point, to be honest. And and so having them both in there telling their story, as counselors working with them, you get some idea of what it is we're working with here and are they even able to name what what the whole problem is about and also to talk with them about what kind of help they've had so far and it starts to get really clear where maybe some of the holes have been or what kind of help they've had uh, which has kept them stuck and not healing. So, And one of those, quite frankly, is if the only help they've had is couples counseling. Right. And we happen to believe at Faithful and True that, that that is never enough. And so we can begin to recommend things that we believe and have worked with enough to know that we have pretty strong opinions about what we think will help. Right. One of the the most powerful parts of the early experience is, and you mentioned this idea of the story being told, And we do want the man to take the lead in that because it's him showing, I'm owning this, I'm taking responsibility for it. But what's true is, he has shame about the story, and what can be true is the wife has shame about the story. 
And so we want to create an environment where that shame can be shed for both of them. And he's taking responsibility of the story and she's releasing responsibility for the story. And in doing that, that can serve both of them moving forward. Because what we know is where there is shame, those lies can keep us in bondage. And we need the experience in safe experiences to be able to tell our story. Mm-hmm. So it may be that, you know, at some point after we've been introduced to a couple, we soon decide it's also time to split them up and have them be met individually. Because their stories might include more things, as you said, that because of shame hasn't come out in some of the initial sessions Mm -hmm. of working with them as a couple. And so that can be helpful for them, too, to ideally finally find a place where they feel safe enough to really be totally open about what's going on. For him, it might be more of the story that she doesn't even know at this point. Yeah, the early experiences of working with a couple is to simply create a place where information can be shared and then when certain circumstances come up, they're given the support they need to be able to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this space, we're simply acknowledging that we are still in relationship with each other. We may need to navigate some administrative stuff. We may need to navigate childcare. But at this point, if the wife isn't aware of all of the information, it's difficult for her to make an assessment of what it might look like going forward. And so in working with the couple, we're going to encourage them if if that is something that the wife is open to, to have an opportunity for all of the information to be shared and to do that in the context of a full disclosure. And we don't do this for the purpose of manipulating or controlling the situation so that at the end of this, the wife decides to stay. We simply want her to have the information that she needs that in time, she can use that to make that decision. Mm And so one of the things also, at least for Mark and myself, when we worked with couples early on, we like to introduce them to the development of couples' relationships. And it's more of an educational kind of piece to show them what we know about how couples develop over time. And oftentimes when we're doing that, and it's one where they participate with our hoops, some of you have may heard about that as we've talked about that in podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, We lay hula hoops on the floor and we work through walking from different stages of a couple's development through time. And they often clearly recognize where they're stuck or where they are in the process of developing, even though their desire might be what we show them at the end of this demonstration, a possibility for where they can go and develop a healthy relationship of interdependence with one another. Um, But the whole thing gives them a couple of things to think about. One, where they are, some new language to use with each other, and also some vision about where in our process anyway, eventually we'd like to take them. Well, um, what I also think is amazing about that, it also normalizes the actual development of the coupleship. Um, Beth and I came here for an intensive when you and Mark were still doing that, and so we were able to spend an extended time with you, and you did the couples that a couple hoop exercise with us and I remember thinking oh what we're experiencing though my contribution may be more chaotic because of the addiction it really is a part of this process and so you know we can easily have couple shame oh my gosh we're the worst couple nobody else has ever experienced this but there is this normalization when you understand the the healthy or the process of couple development when you're able to find yourself in that Mm -hmm. and 
you know, one of the things that was very helpful for me is you talk about intimacy, or now we talk about in, um, we talk about infatuation and the role that infatuation plays initially, but you also validate, and it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to live in infatuation, and yet for a lot of couples, they perceive that they are failing because they've lost that sense that of infatuation. Mm-hmm. So for you to validate and go, no, actually that's to be expected, and this is the next stage. Right. That was incredibly freeing. Yeah. And what do we need to learn in that next stage of differentiation to really mm-hmm. hang on to the individual we are, to be able to bring better things to the relationship? So it's interesting. Early on, couples work might be a bit about education. Right. You know, where are you today? What are you struggling with? What kind of help have you had? Um, where might you go if you have the kind of help? Is this the vision you want? And to be honest, most couples that come here do have hope of staying married. I mean, mm-hmm. even if she's mad and not sure and can't trust, I, I don't know that she would show up here oftentimes with the idea that her only goal is to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do hold that hope for our couples. And while we don't know, we know it's not the only goal for couples. It is. It's a major one right. for sure. So and what, if, if it's what they want, we begin to lay out that vision for them to show them how that might be attainable. So I just had this pop into my head. Yeah. So what if this early experience first is about validation? We're going to validate mm-hmm. where they are and what they're experiencing. It's going to be about information. We're going mm-hmm. to encourage them, especially the husband, to share because that the person who has the addiction, going to share information about their acting out and their history of that. Mm-hmm. And then it's also about that education piece. We're mm-hmm. going to educate them about the couple's development and what that's going to look like and other resources that are available. You know, one of the things I love to offer, in fact, I've already done it twice today, is I encourage people to read your and Mark's book, The Seven Desires, especially mm-hmm. early on. Because it's about relationships, it's not about marriage. Mm -hmm. And so for the wife or the couple that's not quite ready to engage the marriage yet, it's great information about these seven desires and what happens based upon how they were met or not met and how we bring that into our current relationship. Mm -hmm. So education that doesn't kind of push me into having to consider the marriage yet can be incredibly helpful. And I think the seven desires does a great job of that. Mm So we're starting to talk about how the slow, practical process of trying to help both people be gentle observers of their life Mm -hmm. is what we're doing in that self-awareness piece so that no matter where I'm going or what I'm dealing with, I'm still willing to look at me and learn about myself. What, What am I supposed to be learning here? Is there anything I'm supposed to be changing? And I think that comes out in the hoops demonstration. It's true. The man is over here coping with an addiction or anything else. And a wife has ways she's managing her pain as well. And so learning and opening eyes to the possibility that maybe there will be things we can learn and grow from, we're still introducing early on. We're just not going after that work right right yet. We may acknowledge it, but we don't need to pursue it yet. Right. And kind of the way that when I'm talking to a man I talk about is you are completely responsible for your addiction and your acting out. Mm -hmm. So until you take responsibility for that, there's really an inability to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, what we're able to introduce is you are responsible for your addiction and each of you make contributions to the coupleship. And if you want your wife to begin to look possibly at her Mm -hmm. contribution to the coupleship, 
it's important that you're really owning the addiction and the acting out in what you brought to the coupleship. Mm -hmm. And it may be that transition place when a wife feels heard enough, when she feels safe enough, validated enough, when she has the information that she needs, when there's some level of openness to the possibility of the marriage working, that may be the pace where we begin to transition a little bit from it being just couples counseling to be looking at the nature of the marriage or the relationship and each person's contribution to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a time when we maybe start spending more of our energy looking at how safe the relationship mm-hmm. is. Because what we know is as a couple desires to move closer together, when, the, when there's a lack of safety wherever that comes, whether it's verbal abuse or anger that's represented in unhealthy ways or um, it's blaming each other for things, there are lots of ways that we're unsafe when we show up in a relationship. The more we have unsafe ways we live, the farther people are going to stay from us. Right. I didn't bring my porcupine friend, <laughs> but I have a porcupine friend that I usually show in workshops, you know, because that's kind of what we're like when we show up and we're not safe and people don't want to get too close because they're going to get poked and it doesn't feel good and so they learn to stay away. Um, it becomes very important to practice those those kinds of things and to know and and own how I'm not safe. Right. And a lot of times we do that better when we're doing that in our own groups. Right. You know, me with women, you with men or whatever so that they can help us and talk to us about how they don't feel safe around us at some point. Right. Or the stories we share, you know, lead lead them to believe we haven't been exactly safe and how we're dealing with something. And and that's a significant point where if I can own <clears throat> I'm responsible for contributing to safety in my relationship. Then I can begin to look at what are some of the things that I do that are not contributing to safety. You know, I cannot make somebody else be safe. Mm -hmm. What I can do, though, is contribute to their safety or contribute to the safety of the relationship. And again, it's dependent upon the husband owning how his addiction and his acting out and his deception has really violated the relationship and was a significant contribution to it not being safe. And we were able to each person say, you know what, and here's some things that I do that don't support us in being safe with each other. Well, secrets for sure create lack of safety Mm -hmm. in in a relationship. So when there have been years of that, uh, that's a big problem. And, And that, of course, is what leads us to, you know, this whole idea of needing to do full disclosure in the relationship before we can move on to marital work because um, they need to rebuild a foundation of truth. And only when you lay that kind of foundation do we believe you can start moving forward and getting closer to one another and being more vulnerable in the relationship. So all that being said, I mean, we've witnessed how... Um, time and money can really be wasted trying to work on marriage and growing a marriage before there is full truth in the marriage and and also there is safety in the marriage. Two really important pieces before we can move forward with trying to grow them as a couple. Mm-hmm. So, so let's let's assume that the husband is doing a great job of owning his addiction and his behaviors. He has done a good job of doing a full disclosure. He's now shared that information. And there is a sense that it's time to maybe move forward and deal with some of the marriage. We are working to create safety. What might be some of the other 
key components of the counseling experience that we might have now working specifically in couples counseling on the relationship? Well, I know here we work a great deal on what we call the iceberg model or, um, you know, it's, it's more than a communication tool because it's teaching us how each of us can be vulnerable when we're talking about things. Mm-hmm. And typically, I mean, I don't know why we, are, we don't all just do that more naturally other than to be vulnerable when we're talking means we open ourselves up to pen- potentially be hurt. Mm-hmm. When we're telling someone how we're really feeling and what we need and what we're really thinking and, you know, what our desires of the heart are and what, what are some of our truths. I mean, we open ourselves up to people being judgmental about that or telling us we need to change and these are not right thinking and all those kinds of things. Right. Um, but we help people to practice talking about difficult topics because when they're trying to do it by themselves at home, they often forget and they get off on these rabbit trails of old patterns of how we talk and it goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. But with coaching and people watching who can help them, it's amazing how it can turn around their conversations with one another. Well, and you're, you mentioned this, but it's that idea that in order for there to be change or transformation, there has to be vulnerability. In order for there to be vulnerability, there needs to be safety. So we're back to that idea of safety. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do is help a couple see their old historic couples dance that has created so much chaos. Mm-hmm. And so we, we want them to first see what is the couples dance, and then as it's almost like we're coaching in those conversations and even interrupting when they start to fall back into those old patterns. And I often say we bring our dance steps into the relationship. We find a partner who can partner with those dance steps, and then the music plays. And in recovery, what's happening is sometimes it's the same music, and when we hear the same music, we fall back to the same dance steps. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things to do is have the same music, but do a different dance. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we're wanting to encourage the couples. And I think the iceberg is a great way to do that because it gets me just from having a reaction to somebody's behavior to actually looking at myself and what's generating in me, what's my reaction about yeah. Yes, there was a behavior, but the only thing I can own is my reaction to that behavior. Yeah. So we have a lot of fun, as we say here, actually. <laughs> you know, we do. Practicing with couples about difficult situations, taking them to new places of being able to talk about that, really feel heard mm-hmm. and understood by each other. And I, I love helping women, since I'm not working with couples right now, working with women on watching the for the patterns in their marriage because we all have hundreds of patterns in our marriage and when we start identifying them some of them aren't working real well like someone is a real neat neck in the marriage and the other is kind of sloppy and we have this pattern of one always picking up for the other and then getting resentful asking for them to do that and they don't or whatever now we got a pattern going we got a dance Mm -hmm. and sometimes that lasts for years and years without them being able to figure out some healthy solution for that. Right. And there are hundreds of those kinds of patterns. We well, often marry someone who's on a different end of the continuum, I always say, of whatever the pattern is about, because I really believe that's a place where God uses us, if we're willing to work on this and identify them, to come in, both of us, to some different kind of place, not become each other, but to move into a different kind of place that's better for both right. of us. Well, you know, we talk about that idea of opposites attract. I think that's absolutely true. We yeah. intuitively see in somebody else something that we need. 
But the problem is, if all I do is marry someone that is different from me, that's going to create chaos. Mm -hmm. But if I marry someone that is different from me, and I begin to be transformed by that, and take on some of those things I see in them, you know, the example would be that person that is spontaneous and that person that is structured. Mm -hmm. Well, there's something good about being structured, if there's something good about being spontaneous, but if I... All I do is I'm structured and I marry a spontaneous person. Eventually, I begin to be irritated and resent their spontaneity. Mm -hmm. But if I begin to become more spontaneous, if I find the balance in myself, then we become partners in that. I'm a little bit more spontaneous, they're a little bit more structured, and now we're partners. Um, and that's part of the hard work of this transformation. It's not just expecting my spouse to change so that things will be better. It's actually wanting to be transformed myself so that we can be partners. Right. I love Dr. Patricia Love is a great, you know, um, couples therapist, and she's been in the field for years, and she made a statement once in one of her books that, <clears throat> you know, couples generally love the differences they see in the other person when you first meet. You know, mm -hmm. oh, he's so funny. I just love funny. You know, yeah. nobody in my family was funny. And then eventually those, those characteristics become the ones that irritate you the most, <laughs> you know. And it's true because I think we're now working towards this identification piece of a pattern that could be used to change both of us in time, mm -hmm. if we're willing to look at that. Well, I, I often say the thing that drew us to our spouse eventually becomes the thing that drives us the most crazy. <laughs> yes. And we have to figure out how to navigate right. that. <clears throat> well, yeah. along those lines, we also want to identify that we do a couples mm -hmm. workshop here. Um, we mm -hmm. do them a couple of times a year. And you mentioned this, but I think it's important we have fun at that workshop and it's never to minimize or dismiss the pain that people are in but there is a relief that comes when couples are in these difficult places and they actually begin to get practical tools and how to move forward mm -hmm. so if the couples workshop would be something that would be helpful for you we have one this is being recorded in september we have one in a couple of weeks if that's something that would be helpful for you or the one that we have coming up in the winter of 2023 We'd love for you to look at our website, faithfulandtrue.com, and see those resources and come and be a part of that. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> he's, he's saying he's everything I would have said. Just, yeah, oh, I, I was going to say that, but that's, no, 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 it's good. No, it was a perfect tie-in because as this wonderful conversation has gone on, I thought, boy, if there are couples out there watching and listening to this podcast, what a great, great way to be encouraged. Uh, you know, to come to the couples workshop because it is fun mm -hmm. and it is encouraging and the growth that you see in these couples is uh, inspiring. Mm -hmm. So uh, like Greg said, check out faithfulandtrue.com really for information and registration for all of our workshops. We encourage you to do that. Well, Debbie, thanks for joining You're us welcome, again Ruth. today. It's yeah. always fun to Thank have you. you. I like being here. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and Greg, as always, um, mm -hmm. Thank you for your, uh, your leadership here. Um, we want to thank all of you that joined us today and hope that the information that's been shared has been beneficial to you in your relationship. We hope that this coming week will be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. <laughs>